You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also for the podcast, a new sponsor, RCB Bank. Since 1936, RCB Bank has offered progressive products and a friendly service. Come in today to find out more about their loan promotion on new used refinance cars, boats, campers, and ATVs. Visit RCB Bank to learn more. RCB Bank, that's my bank. With approved credit, restrictions apply. Now, let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, your host, back with another episode down at the Bedford Studio today with Mr. Lance Lang. Thank you for coming down to the uh, to the studio. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. Uh, mm-hmm. I, we've just been chatting now. I think the first time that I'd heard about Hope is Alive and yourself and what you did is when you spoke at BFC for one of Timmy Riggs's college nights, and mm-hmm. that's going to be three, four years oh, ago, I maybe? think you nailed it. I think it's probably three, yeah. three plus years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And also, you know, you, I mean, at that point, it was, you know, you were busy and doing things, but sure. I mean, now we've gone three years later and you're continuing to build on that foundation. Um, so I guess, I mean, before we dive into Hope is Alive, let's give a little bit of context to the listeners. If they don't know who you are, what yeah. Hope is Alive is, I guess, who are you and where do you come from? I come from Prior Creek, Oklahoma. Yeah. And so this is Oklahoma podcast. If you... Uh, or a, a good true Okie, you'll know Pryor Creek. Mm-hmm. It's known by Pryor now and, and known really for the Google yeah. in, infusion that's happened there with Google building out all their their databases, their uh, whatever those things are called. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, I was born and raised Oklahoma kid. Mm-hmm. Um, dad, Baptist pastor in a few churches here in Oklahoma. And um you know, grew up under the watchful eye of, of Baptist pastor's son in small town, Oklahoma. That's some, that's my story. That's what yeah, I lean with. Yeah. It is about everywhere. And it made my way to Oklahoma City in, in my mid-20s through some family and business connections. But um, in the past 10 years, I, I you know, started Hope is Alive, got clean and sober just over 10 years ago, and really just been kind of chasing after this mission to radically change other people's lives and to be a part of the story that, that I believe God has for all of us. That's a, yeah, one yeah. of purpose and hope and a future, and and that's just what I'm passionate about is, is watching other people set, set free just like right. I was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I have plenty of friends. I was going to say plenty of friends, but I have friends who have had that experience, right? And you get addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever it is. And when there's, it's trouble when there's nothing there for them. Yeah. Or when they do go to a place and they don't get the care that they should deserve or that they're paying for. That's right. And they relapse or whatever. And they just keep, you know, it's like a revolving door then, isn't it? It sure is. That's what happened to me. And I went to treatment and went to a really good place. Um, But, you know, out of the 15, 16 guys that were there, probably six months later, a handful of them were dead. A handful of them were back in that treatment center and and maybe a small handful were doing okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's really was the eye opener for me. 
And so here am I, I'm clean and sober. I just, I can tell you the whole addict story, but I lost everything, completely down, restarting my life. And then I find this group of guys that I just fall in love with at a treatment center mm-hmm. that um, were desperately in need of not just like a 30, 60, 90 day stint in a rehab, yeah. but a full, complete immersion in life change and life skill development and friendships and spiritual growth and financial growth and professional development. And that's really where kind of, you know, I fit in and Hope is Alive gotcha. fits into the spectrum of, of addiction recovery. I always use the baseball diamond analogy. People ask me, like, where you, where's Hope is Alive and how does that fit in? Well, first base is detox, like a 10-day medical detox if you yeah. really need to be monitored to get off heroin, uh-huh. alcohol, benzos, whatever it is. Second base is like the inpatient treatment. You hear of a celebrity going to rehab. That's right. second base. We're third base. Yeah. That's what Hope is Alive is. Mm-hmm. And we're that stop before you go home to help you really yeah. walk out what you learned in treatment and develop real-life skills. Mm-hmm. Kind of answering that question, I'm sober, now what? Right. That's what we aim gotcha. to do. Now, um, yeah, so, so building towards a better life, a job, yeah. back to school, yeah. I mean, anything. Marriage right? restoration, yeah. family, kid restoration. Uh, I love when guys and gals at Hope is Alive find like their calling mm-hmm. in, in their professional life, or maybe that's even a spiritual uh, right. calling. But that really lights me up to see somebody you know, find that they really love um, getting in shape and physical fitness and supplements, and mm-hmm. they get on at Draper Family GNC right. or something, and they really fall in love with learning about that. Or yeah. um, they realize that they have a mind towards numbers and money, so they want to be an accountant or a financial planner. Like All that stuff really excites me uh-huh. because I believe to stay sober, you have to have a life worth living right it's got to be a life worth living sober to be worth it and that might not make sense if you're not an addict listening but if it's just just about going to meetings Mm -hmm. then maybe count count me out i mean i'm I'm all for a meetings and all that stuff but if that's all sobriety is then count me out i want a life worth living today and that's what hope is lives about it's what i'm passionate about and that's really like creating experiences like we just talked about going on golf trips with Mm -hmm. our buddies in the upcoming weekends like that's real life living, you know. Um, finding my wife and mm-hmm. getting married four and a half years ago, and finding a partner to do life with, and and she's pregnant today, and like the new memories, new life experiences. Yeah, yeah. That's sobriety. That's what this thing is all about for me, and that's what gets me fired up. Yeah, it's and and you're dealing, like I said, you're dealing with addicts, right? You're dealing with people who have addictive personalities, and you know they've taken a wrong turn, and it's led down this road. It's that's finding right. something that gets them addicted to something good. Yes, like said, fitness, finance, what numbers, whatever they're passionate about. Totally, and you know, and it, it's something that like I. I kind of, I don't, I wouldn't say I have a super addictive personality, but when you talk fitness, like I have to set myself a goal of I'm not committing to it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. It's probably the same with certain other things as well. You see yourself and you build a vision and then you put a plan together. And yeah. Say, I'm going to get to this destination. That's right. Or whether it's a marathon or an Ironman or getting a job or building you know, a business. Yeah. Breaking 90 or 80 on the golf course, whatever it is. 100%. And to me, What's the secret sauce of Hope is Alive, and I really believe maybe the platform that I want to stand on highest is that of community. Because mm-hmm. all the things that you just said really aren't possible yeah. without a community of people around you. Mm-hmm. And that's the, in the confines of church, it's in the confines of your professional life, yeah. uh, you know, Instagram meetups, golf trips, any of that stuff is all, anytime you can do it within the context of community, you're going to be better. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, I'm horrible working out on my own. 
I got a pretty good gym in my garage. I'm rarely in it, okay? <laughs> and But when I can yeah. go to a gym or I can go to Fit Camp 180, and I'm not trying to do any plugs, but just where my friends are, where there's a group of people that are pushing me towards um, being my very best, man, yeah. I'm going to put out so much more effort. Well, that's what Hope is Life's about. Yeah. You know, it's about putting addicts and alcoholics in the confines of community where they can chase after the common goals, they can develop life skills, they can mm-hmm. heal their, their core deep wounds, and do it all with their brothers and sisters that are chasing those same things. That's where I believe exponential, yeah, what we would yeah. call radical life change happens. Gotcha, yeah. And you, I mean, you're speeding up that change, right? By, totally. bring, by, by putting you know, bringing people together that are working towards the same goal. That's right. Uh, and even if there is a stray dog, they're going to be pretty helped out. You know, they're going to be, there's people there to help them out and bring them back. And, you know, even if they have, I mean, because everyone has, has those thoughts, right? You have yeah. thoughts of like, oh, I mean, it's temptation everywhere and, and doesn't matter what you're addicted to. I mean, it could even be Sour Patch Kids. Like you drive past yeah. a gas station, you're like, I want to pack Sour Patch Kids, yeah, for right? Sure. So it's having that, like coconut said, that Red community. Bull. That's oh, my problem. Yeah, Coconut yeah. Red Bull. Amongst a lot of things. <laughs> Pop-Tarts, chocolate chip cookies, golf. Just sugar in general. Uh, Netflix documentaries. Yeah. I mean, it's keeping all that stuff in right. moderation. Uh, but the context of community uh, is really where all that's mm-hmm. at, where you can have folks that will hold you accountable. And, and on those bad days where somebody can call you out and say, hey, you don't look right, and like, let's talk. And yeah. that stuff happens literally hour on hour at Hope is Alive Homes all across mm-hmm. the country. And I think that's the stuff that you don't ever see on a marketing document, right. on the website. It's that that secret sauce of yeah. community that I believe has um, allowed us to kind of grow to where we have and to impact the amount of people yeah, that we have. Yeah. So so when you come out, you, you know, in your personal journey, you come out of rehab and mm-hmm. you meet these guys and you're like, there's more to be done here. Yes. Right? We can't keep just going back and forth. Like, and you, like I said, you had the guys in your group, some of them are dying, dying right? That's right. Like, you know, you, something needs to be done it's not being done so you see that opportunity and you know you turn to that where does it start like what is the first step for you there yeah so literally i mean the idea of transitional living or sober living isn't necessarily a new thing you mm-hmm. know we didn't come up with that right. right there's other groups that have done that but my vision was that there was just so much more that could be done okay. and so honestly and truly it just started by okay i need a house right? And I need some guys to live in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I recruited five guys that were early in sobriety. Um, my sponsor in the 12-step meetings I go to mm-hmm. found a house for me that I could lease to purchase because yeah. I had no money. I was early right. in sobriety. No bank would give me anything. I tried. So I had to lease to purchase the home mm-hmm. here in Oklahoma City in a pretty familiar neighborhood. And I invited those five guys to move in once the guy gave me the lease. And that guy, you know, changed my life and he changed so many other people's lives because he said yes. And so we just started with a a normal home in a normal neighborhood with five guys and me. Mm -hmm. And that was February of 2013. And I had some context or some guidelines for what I wanted the program to look like. Yeah. But it's like when you're starting a business or you're starting this podcast, you really just get started and yeah. it kind of comes together as you go. You learn as you go. And, yeah. you know, I knew I wanted to start a nonprofit, but I literally went to Barnes & Noble and bought nonprofits for dummies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had no idea what it meant to mm-hmm. run a nonprofit. All I knew is, hey, if it's a nonprofit, people can give us money. And that's like as far as I knew. I didn't right. even understand how and that they can worked. write it off on the yeah, taxes, exactly. And that's it's just it. like yeah. what everybody kind of loosely understands about it. And so, you know, things just took off. You know, I moved into the house with the guys. 
and really we just began to do life together. I mean, it's kind of a common phrase, but that's really what we did. Right. We, a lot of us worked together. We worked out together. We went to the movies on the weekends. Mm-hmm. We went to the fair. We went ski trips. We, we just did life together for about a year. And we began to have some success and people started calling, basically, men and families that were in treatment centers that were needing that next step. And we kind of began to realize maybe we have something here and maybe this Mm -hmm. long-term model um, that we had, which was kind of a different um, disruptive force in the sober living community, we we were having guys stay for years. And that was earth shattering. Like, yeah. how are these people staying so long? Well, we were creating a culture where they wanted to stay, mm-hmm. where their lives were changing, and they realized it was much better to be in the home than to be separate from that. And so, one home grew to two, grew to three, and I mean, I can tell you the whole story. Yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. kind of where we are today, there's 21 homes in Amazing. seven cities in four states and 203 residents as of this morning. Yeah. Um, so that's you know just over eight years eight, and eight years. Uh, pretty incredible. What yeah. a a lot of people in in Oklahoma specifically have helped to fund, um, and a God that loves to tell comeback stories. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, so. that's so good. Uh, so, those you know, you're like you know, you stay for a year, right? You're in that house for a year, and you're with your those five guys, and because people are seeing the change, and I'm sure the community is probably a tight knit community anyway, right? So you're always in touch with people who are in treatment all the time. So you build that net referral network. Absolutely. So they see that you're doing great work, right? I mean, it only works if you succeed and if the 100%. people in that original house succeed, because if they don't, the referrals aren't going to come. Absolutely. They? Like, oh, okay, we might as well bring them back to what we're doing now. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to refer, pass on, word yeah. of mouth, something that's successful, something mm-hmm. that's going well. And so the sheer fact that the guys early on were staying was a good sign, yeah. right? And so we began to talk to facilities, and, and I began to realize, okay, how this works when mm-hmm. – an individual is at a treatment center or rehab, then they need to start looking for that next step. And so I kind of began to put my marketing hat back on and kind of realizing, okay, you know, we want to fill this home and other homes and we need to start working with these facilities. And then I kind of realized too, and I think we were a little ahead of the curve on this, this is the power of social media. Yeah. And so we were some of the first groups across the country doing before and after pictures or really telling our stories about addiction before a lot of people are. Nowadays, mm-hmm. all kind of junks on social media. Right. Eight years ago, it really yeah. wasn't the case, seven years yeah. ago. And we even had some pushback, like this is a program of anonymity and we're supposed to be anonymous. And mm-hmm. hey, I get that if that's your vibe. But for me, it was like, let's be as public with our stories as possible so that we can have the most social accountability that mm-hmm. we can have. I want everybody to know my junk. That's why I've written five books. Like yeah. I, I want, the more you know, the more you can help me. Right. Is my philosophy. Yeah. Now, not everybody's wired that way. I get it. But that yeah. was kind of the culture and the vibe early on I Hope is Alive is let's be disruptive in this space. Mm-hmm. Not only are they going to be in beautiful homes, are they going to stay a year to 18 months, are they going to have incredible opportunities they wouldn't have anywhere else? We're going to talk about it socially. Yeah. And I think that was really attractive to people. And then what I learned kind of low-key for the marketers out there as well is I, I learned who was really calling us, who was buying my books, who was messaging us on Facebook and Instagram or whatever else. It was always moms. 
Really? Well, think about it. Yeah. Who's yeah. calling when the kid yeah. is in trouble? Dad's a wake or Yeah, who's yeah. looking for help? It's always moms. Yeah. And so we really began to, to realize that if we wanted to help as many people as we could, which is the mission, sure, of course. then we want to make sure that we're targeting, we're talking to, working with, with moms and parents and those that love mm-hmm. addicts um, and those that are connected to churches that Give are supporting us yeah. and that are trying to find ways to, to help people. And so that's when we began to start uh, finding help support groups. Mm-hmm which is a huge part of Hope is Alive. And there's 35 different support groups in seven states now in two languages. Over 500 people are attending these support groups across the country every single month. Yeah. And those are all moms and dads and grandparents and brothers and sisters Uh of addicts and alcoholics. And these are in person Totally groups, right. Not, now, now not they just are social media. Now they're in person because yeah. people are meeting up and and putting yeah. faces. You Absolutely, know, and, and building you know, real we pivoted online during COVID, but no, it's a hundred percent back to being mm-hmm. in person. And you can find out all that at findinghope.today yeah, yeah. today. If you're listening and you love an addict and you're needing help and hope, mm-hmm. um, we're not only serving the addicts, but we're serving the family members as well. And yeah. most of the time, that's who the first point of contact is. Yeah. You know, how do I help my son? I can tell he's struggling. He just got a DUI. He got picked up a possession charge. Right. My daughter's struggling to speak to him because he won't talk to, to anyone. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. stealing stuff from us, and and so we really begin to have this focus on how can we educate and heal the family, and we believe that if we can do that, then the addict will come right belong right mm-hmm. behind them, and we can we can support and help them too. Yeah, I mean, you made a good point. Like most people don't even think about the family; they think about the addict totally. first. But obviously, the family is being affected. You know probably the ripple effects right of that destruction or whatever happens and you know thankfully you guys are there before it gets really bad and they're they're at a funeral for that for that person absolutely it's the forgotten population of this kind of epidemic this Mm -hmm. opioid epidemic that's been on the cover of the papers and and lawsuits and all that kind of the the behind the scenes forgotten population of that is is the moms and dads and the family members and and we believe that an addict impacts directly in a significant way 10 people. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side of that, when they cross that, that step of uh, into recovery, they impact those same people in a different direction. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's what we're trying to do. And like you said, everyone loves a comeback story, right? Everyone yeah, loves to see the before and after. That's right. You know, I mean, you know, you can, the power of social media and you can see it, but when you really know that person yeah. and you went to high school with them and you saw their down spiral, and you see them, you know, three or four years later, and they're a manager at a store now. Or they've That's got right. a really good good job, or they're you know the business owner, whatever it is. Like that, you know, it's it it it, it just proves everything, didn't it? It's not like yeah. well, clearly something has happened. Yes. You've made a huge transformation, and you know the teach me kind of thing, right? Because exactly. even if they're not, even if that person is not an addict and hasn't had trouble like being addictive and with drugs or, or whatever it is they're addicted to, they have we all have doubts right that we're all mentally going through something anyway so even though it hasn't been that bad mm-hmm. you can still help people who aren't addict aren't technically addicts yeah you know in the in a medical sense right yeah. but we, well, we struggle with things all every i hope day. we're inspiring hope you know yeah. at the end of the day if you're following us on social media if you know about hope is love i hope that you at least are inspired by the visual changes mm-hmm. that you're seeing in those before and after pictures and knowing that Every physical change is first manifested on the internal, yeah. inside. And so all that change happens inside before it's evidenced outside. Mm-hmm. And to your point, I hope that's proof of the product, proof of the program. Yeah, yeah. 
um, that what we're doing on the inside, which is I got to give props and a shout out to my wife, Allison Lang, because she really wrote all of our program. Not really. Mm-hmm. She did all of our program and kind of the the wizard behind yeah. everything that's happening on the inside. Mm-hmm. So the success of working through codependency, sex and love addiction, gambling, gaming, control, all these things that are inside of us. Yeah. When they're not healed or worked through effectively, what you see on the outside is, a, is addiction, mm-hmm. right? So it's drugs and alcohol and legal issues and money issues and family issues. But when it is healed— To on the, try and suppress what's correct, inside. Correct. The struggle, you. we believe, on the inside. So when we—our program is all about healing the core wound. So if you can mm-hmm. get down in there and heal those areas, then we believe what you'll see on the outside is not a, not only a beautiful picture physically, yeah. but family restoration, financial restoration— peace in their life, a career yeah. path, spiritual foundations, yeah. um, everything that they need for a long-term sobriety. No doubt. Uh, you mentioned social media and kind of being the first, you know, out of the, this group and this community to really kind of push that, or some of the first. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now, obviously, it's probably a huge part of your marketing, right? A huge totally. part of the business. And, and it's a really effective tool because even if one person sees that, and she makes a phone call, changes, or just sent, you know, forwards it onto a friend, or who, like you said, the mum groups, right? And yeah. Whatever makes a change. Oh, it's yeah. worldwide too, which is the greatest thing about social media. Well, it's yeah, it's the only way you, I can market to your friends for free. Yeah, right, very true. And so, yeah. um, we try to just like everybody else out there, create good shareable content that people want to engage with, and and I think just treating the nonprofit space like a business, mm-hmm. and realizing that the marketing tools that Coke and Pepsi and other success groups are yeah. using we could use to help more people mm-hmm. um, was kind of like a pretty no-brainer to me right, yeah but I think it was pretty disruptive in the nonprofit space and so mm-hmm. we treat this very much like a business we want to be extremely successful we want to be mm-hmm. profitable we want to help people grow we're here to grow not only yeah. in the program and financially but physically into other states and, and throughout Oklahoma as well and so just kind of having that real intentional mindset we want to mm-hmm. be excellent in everything that we do yeah you mentioned writing five books yeah give me a little bit about each one yeah so hope is alive that's the first book yeah and that's really my story and and just kind of what i went through and some practical steps that any addict that's early in sobriety can use mm-hmm. to grow number two is called hope changes everything you'll see a trend here by the way <laughs> um, hope changes everything is really for um i, I call normal people that are just right. chasing a dream okay. and it was kind of like the the early stages of starting hope is alive and like how do you how do you uh, tap into the passion mm-hmm. um how do you you take what what's hurt you and turn it into a ministry mm-hmm. um you know the mess of your life into a ministry that kind of whole thing and so how, how can you do that number three was the book i wrote with my parents called finding hope mm-hmm. that was about the time where we really began to realize the audience of parents that were yeah. needing hope desperately and that book is i call it the blue book it's the finding hope blue book and it is i mean all over the country it's crazy all of these yeah. i've self-published i mean yeah. I, I had nobody you know, paid me to write these. This is just stuff that I've done on my own. But that thing has just taken off and, and grown real successfully. Number four was a book called Hope Dealers. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of chronicles a little bit of the Hope is Life story as well. And it highlights several individuals that have come to the program gotcha. and tells in more depth their stories. And then number five, thanks for letting me share this. I'm excited yeah. about my book coming out on June 30th, 2021. It's called 10 Years Sober. And it chronicles these um, these last 10 years of my yeah. sobriety. I just picked up a 10-year chip on April 27th awesome. of this year. And... Um, just excited to share what God's done in my life. And I wrote 10 chapters that, that highlight and chronicle every year of mm-hmm. the last um, last 10 years. And that book, uh, I think is really, really good. I'm proud of it. It'll yeah, be yeah. it'll be out uh, 
uh, June 30th, and you can go to lanceline.com or just uh, put Lanceline in Amazon, and all those books will pop up. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, I'm sure mom and dad are super proud of you as well. Yeah, right? I'm sure like, they are. I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I've, I've yeah. made this thing my life. And so I think um, they probably would tell me to, to have boundaries um, with what with what this thing has done. But I, I believe ultimately mm-hmm. they're, they're proud. I'm sure they are. I hope they are. Yeah. I'm about to go hang out with them in about 30 minutes. So I hope that they're proud. But, you know, from where I was, and I just use me as an example of hundreds of other people, mm-hmm. You know, I was a liar. I was a cheater. I was a thief. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was a tornado of destruction. I mean, everywhere I went, yeah. people just uh, were sick and tired of me, and I had put them through hell and back. Um, and and my wife, um, I put her through so much as well. And so, I hope on this side of things, I'll make them smile a little bit more than I used to. Yeah, definitely. So you you mentioned Nossi growing up a pastor's kid, uh, and we're in Oklahoma, so there's plenty of people who can relate to that. Um, do you get a lot of? I mean, we're in, obviously we're in, in Oklahoma. That religious religion is big. It, it is in everyone's life here. Even if you're not religious, it's part of your life. One hundred percent. How has that been? You know, when when you were going through addiction, were you struggling with faith as sure. well? You know, like how, and and then I guess now you can use that experience, right? But totally, you know, and I, I there's there's you know, all these cliche stories of like, oh, the pastor's kid's always the one that's like a tornado or whatever, or it's yeah. just like they've been fighting or they've been under certain pressures growing up, right? Because their dad or mum or whatever's in the church, and they're actually like more of like the rebellious one, right? But I mean, what is that like in real life? Because everyone hears the cliches or whatever, but what is that being like when you're going through that and then helping others who are going through that as well? You know, I think for me, just like anybody growing up with somebody that's either successful or Mm -hmm. in the public eye or really kind of owns their trade or trait, it just feels like it's naturally passed on to you whether you have a choice or not. Mm -hmm. So for me, church, faith, Christianity was like, this is yours. You're, yeah. You you have to have this, and you're going to have it our way, which is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And yeah. as a parent, that's probably what everybody would do, probably what I'll do. Right. But as a PK, pastor's yeah. kid in a small town, it kind of was like, this is the way that it's going to be, and I'm just kind of a rebellious dude at mm-hmm. the end of the day. And so when I began to have my own choice, it was kind of like, mm, yeah, in I'm a done. nice way, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go do my own deal. At the same time I was feeling rebellious, I started smoking weed. Okay. And so then I'm like, oh, I like this. And yeah. this changes the way that I feel. And I feel like I'm myself, like I'm comfortable in my own skin for the first sure. time. And then you start traveling down that road and then you run into other users and addicts and people. And that just takes you further and further. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. how addiction works. Yeah. And so what it was like for me is when I went to treatment, I realized that I could make my faith my own. Mm. It could be Lance's, not Wendell's or Pam's. Mm. Nothing against theirs, but it could be mine. And I think that's what I try to encourage addicts today. You don't have to believe like Lance Lang or Allie Lang to belong at Hope is Alive. Um, In fact, we want you to come just as you are. Right. But we want you to encounter spirituality and faith at whatever level that is for you because we believe that that is ultimately what will set you free. So that's what I learned in those 90 days of treatment and then have walked out these last 10 years yeah. is that I could actually p- 
pick up my own faith, pick up my own hope and make it my own. Now it's ultimately, <laughs> um, coincidentally, ended up looking a whole lot like my mom and dad's. Uh, right. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I and a lot of other addicts are not going to be told what to believe, told right. what to do. We have to walk it out on our own. And so um, I'm sure it's not too dissimilar to a lot of people's stories sure. and journeys, but that's kind of the way addicts are. And, and we're a lot alike. We're very mm-hmm. commonly afflicted, commonly uh, expressive, feeling-oriented type of person. Yeah. And we need to walk things out on our own. And so when I was able to realize where God picked me up out of what Jesus meant for me, mm-hmm. um, then I was able to make that my own, and that was a game changer. Yeah, yeah. And you know, at my broken, most rock bottom of places in life, um, He was still there. Yeah. And that I think was a shift in my mindset. And from there, I was able to kind of open my mind back up to the church sure. and the people of the church, which actually were the ones that hurt me the most um, in my early 20s um, with yeah. some experiences that I went through. Yeah. Is there, like a, uh, is there like a strong statistic around certain ages that are more addictive than others? Like it, when your houses and stuff, is there like a more percentage of 18 to 25-year-olds or what? Like it, no, not no, really. there's not? No. I mean, we have folks from all spectrums yeah. from 18 to probably 67 right now. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody asks me what's the common demo, I'm going to say 25 to 35. Okay. I mean, that's kind of the stock answer for that. And it, that's just kind of what I know visually. Sure. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, I yeah. ran the numbers, it might yeah. be a little bit different. But, but no, there's really not um, any common age you know we believe that trauma is the trigger for addiction so kind of there's five little stages you begin uh, experimenting then you go to abuse then trauma is the trigger that takes you from abuse to like physical um, uh, connection or being hooked physically to full-blown addiction and so that Trauma can hit anybody at any point in life. Mm-hmm. It could be something that happened to you as a kid yeah. that's really you know bad and, and horrific. It could be moving to a different city as a sophomore in high school. Yeah. It could be getting a divorce at, a, at 37 years old. Mm-hmm. It could be losing a spouse, like yeah. a 67 year old lady in our home today who lost a spouse at, at later in her 60s. Anytime she could, they could have been abusing, experimenting, and trauma is that trigger that pushes them over the edge, and that could happen anytime in life. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, mentioning the houses, you know, going from one to you know what you mentioned earlier, and, and across a bunch of states, like. I mean, now, now you get into the real estate world, right? Now yeah. you got you to you know, talk about that stuff and you got to figure that out. I mean, it's its own. Unintended consequences of growth. <laughs> right. um, all of a sudden, you owning 21 homes, um, trying to, in this market, find homes in certain cities. Chaos. The yeah. cost of repair and maintenance and upkeep, right. um, having staffing for that. Um, everything that comes with with owning that much property, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've, I hope I've learned a little bit about it. I certainly yeah. didn't anticipate it. I think like a lot of us, you start with the core mission. I just want to help people. Yeah. I just want to help people. Just want to pass along my story. And God's used it in so many different ways. And I've learned a lot. And I think that's the thing I love about it. It's starting a business, starting a nonprofit, chasing your dreams, allows you to, forces you to, mm-hmm. to really be diverse in your mindset and your skill set and, and what you learn in life. And so, 
today, you know, I yeah. think I'm, I know how to find a house and purchase it and put the, the finances together. In fact, we're we're under contract, hopefully by this afternoon, on, with a new house in Claremore, Oklahoma. Yeah. And super excited about what's going to happen in in a smaller community um, mm-hmm. in Oklahoma. And we have a home in Weatherford, yeah. and we have a home in, now in Claremore, hopefully soon. And, and those two are kind of experiments in smaller towns. So. Yeah. So so the houses in general, are they all kind of follow the same model. Like you mentioned, you mentioned people that are going to take care. Is there people like do the is there like a chef or a cook or whatever? Like, is there a house nanny? Like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. w- are they all kind of the same? They are the, absolutely the same. Okay. You know, and that was kind of our hope is that one of our, our business coaches early on said, you need to make it like Starbucks. Like if you go to a Starbucks in Jerusalem in, in London, it exactly. feels just like you do a Hefner gotcha. May or yeah. whatever. Uh-huh. And so that's the thought. And so every house has two live-in house managers mm-hmm. and those are residents, what we call them, residents that they're in their third phase of our program. They've yeah. shown leadership skills and they, they really want to have that that yeah. level of uh, leadership in the home and they provide kind of the eyes and ears in the home and they kind of be like the house yeah. dad or mom and then the full-time staff member overseeing the home or two homes is a program manager gotcha. and that's a graduate of our program who um, really wants to live out their calling mm-hmm. or um, to continue their experience with Hope is Alive and they'll be on full-time staff yeah. and so this is probably the craziest number to tell you is that there's 41 full-time staff members at Hope is Alive wow. which is nuts Yeah, but um it only speaks to the fact that we believe you have to be incredibly intentional and you have to have incredible oversight to lead 203 addicts mm-hmm. and to oversee them in a healthy, safe way. I don't think um, people have any idea maybe the depth of involvement you have to have with mm-hmm. that many lives to truly keep them all headed in the right direction yeah, yeah, yeah. to corral them <laughs> right and most and not even to speak about changing their life and so um, our staff has grown tremendously as we've kind of grown um, exponentially across the country yeah what was the first out of state house then Wichita Kansas okay yeah any, so we, any particular reason um, yeah, my wife's from there. Okay. So we were in Oklahoma City and, and grown quite a bit here and then expanded to Tulsa. Yeah. I'm just naturally, you know, sure. I'm an east side Oklahoma guy, and so that made a lot of sense. And then we were ready for the Wichita expansion a few years ago in 2018 and um, opened a men's home there, and that went well. And then about the same time, we got a call from some folks out in North Carolina who were really excited about what we were doing and wanted to help people and didn't yeah. know how to do it and literally invited us out there, hosted fundraisers, and helped us purchase a home. Wow. So like yeah. overnight in the same year, we went from yeah. Oklahoma to kind of borderline regional national, right. like just like that. Yeah. And that forced us to learn a whole lot about how to run a business sure. you know, across the country, and which was a great learning experience. And we love our friends out in North Carolina. And then, so from there, we kind of step back and say, okay, this model works. We can do this really anywhere. Mm-hmm. We know the need is yeah. there all over the country. So how do we do this? And we rolled out to Kansas City, um, Northwest Arkansas, um, continue to grow and expand in Oklahoma City, in Wichita, Kansas, and uh, our next stops this year, we believe, are Dallas, Fort Worth, Claremore, like I talked about, and expanding in Kansas City and North Carolina. Yeah, so. oh, it's, I love it. That's a so lot good. of fun. A lot of fun for sure. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, before we were recording, you mentioned events and stuff. Obviously, yeah. last year we can't, you know, not really not tough to have events last year, but this year now things are opening up and we're pumped. It's yeah. good to have and plan events. So we're recording like end of May. And so June 18th here in Oklahoma City, I believe this will probably be one of the first concert mm-hmm. 
you know, live uh, events in the city. I can yeah, think yeah, yeah. that I've seen so far, um, and maybe even in the state. And so it's called Night of Hope. It's at Crossings Community Church. Starts at 7.30 that night, and it's featuring um, recording artist Brandon Lake. And so if you're into Christian music at all, you'll know Brandon. You can Google him or Spotify him or Apple Music him, uh-huh. if you will, and you'll hear all of his songs. He's super popular right now. And Night of Hope is a free event. It's really, we started this about seven years ago, and it was just to kind of take the mask off addiction, yeah. to invite people that were struggling and hurting, and really to invite the community that anybody needing hope. And man, if there's a, ever a time mm-hmm. that our world's needed some hope and some inspiration, yeah. it's now. Right. So I want to invite anybody listening, if you're just needing anything at all to get you pumped up, to get you back um, excited about life, you need a date night, mm-hmm. <laughs> or specifically if you have somebody that's struggling with addiction or mental health, you're going to want to mark your calendars June 18th, Night of Hope. Thanks for letting me plug yeah, it. Yeah. You can go to nightofhopeokc.com to find out all about it. Again, completely free. It's just our way to give back to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at Crossings Community Church. We're expecting a couple thousand people there that night, yeah, yeah. so we're pumped about it. Um, last year obviously was tough for a lot of people, but mental health was a huge deal last year you know and still is but I mean it just Mm -hmm. being stuck at home not be able to hang out not be able to see people I mean you know like elderly family or friends or whatever like everything so well, I mean, how was that? I mean, how much of an impact, you know, do you guys have last year? And I'm sure your numbers went to, I mean, sadly probably went up oh, right? yeah. dealing with so many things. And like, you know, what was it like for you last year? Bro, I was struggling. Yeah. I mean, not to yeah. mention those that are in addiction and, and even had any kind of mental health um, thing going on. Mm-hmm. I went through a lot of depression. I was fighting getting out of the house. I was resisting having to comply. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we were going through, my wife and I, infertility and IVF and different things like that that caused us to have to quarantine more. And so I was struggling. So, yeah, so many people have, have struggled in so many different ways. That's yeah. the point. Like, you you can never put yourself in somebody's home or in their shoes mm-hmm. and understand how this, this the last 18 months of our world or 15 months or whatever has dramatically changed everything about who we are and for the rest of our time here, I believe. Yeah. To your point, we grew tremendously, unfortunately. Um, at the same time, uh, I'm glad we're here for people. Right. Our applications have, have jumped up. They've quadrupled, wow. um, especially since January yeah. of this year. Now we're seeing um, a dozens of applications every week. And when you only have a handful of beds open anyway, I mean, it's just like, yeah. what do you do? So that's one of the reasons why we've grown as fast as we have. And of course, when we're not the right fit for people, we send them to the right place. Um, But yeah, I think that's why I'm so excited for Night of Hope in this event is because I think people are desperate for connection. I think Mm -hmm. they're desperate to get out of the house. I think they they want, they not, marriages need date nights. People need something to look forward to. That's hope. Yeah. You know, I'm a kind of guy that needs something to look forward to. And I don't care if that's right, wrong, or indifferent. That's just me. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's hope. I know something's coming. It's this expectation that something good is coming. Yeah. And I'm really hoping for our city and our state that Night of Hope, June 18th, will be a night where we can come together as a community to inspire one another, to return back to the things mm-hmm. that we so desperately need to stay healthy. Yeah. With, with you growing that much and not having beds available, does that quite... Like sometimes you, you, know, you probably think should we open up a bigger facility should we open up a campus or whatever it is like but then i guess you lose that small group community at a house right how do you how do you battle that i mean just like you in what you're doing or anybody listening with their business you i think you 
to be good, you have to be selective. Mm -hmm. You've got to find the sweet spot and serve it really, really, really well. And so we found that. We know the demographic. We know the type of person. We know the types of addictions that we're going to serve incredibly well. And so we have to say no more than we say yes. And we have to just know that the model we found works for us. Um, I've had so many opportunities to buy campuses, um, churches, camps that that weren't working, and turn them into treatment centers or big communities, apartment complexes. And we've said no every time because Mm. it's just not the model. Yeah. We found the model that works for our program, and we believe it's in the confines of the real-world house environment, and it provides so many cool therapeutic things. Mm -hmm. Think about this. What do you do when you have somebody parked behind you in the driveway and you need to go to work before they go to work? Well, that means you have to think ahead the night before. You've got to ask for help and ask Billy or Bobby or Sue to move move the car. They have to be willing to get up, go out in the cold Mm -hmm. to move the car. All of this is therapeutic. It teaches patience and tolerance and asking for help, giving help. That's just one example. Think about cooking and sharing food and meetings and cleaning the home and people that aren't like you and smell different and look different and talk different. All that's so therapeutic, I believe, to helping um, heal somebody. Yeah. Well, mate, I mean, I'm excited to, you know, see the book's coming out. The event's going to be awesome, and hopefully more events planned this summer as well. Yep. Um, for everyone listening, I guess, what's the best place for them to follow you personally? And then obviously Hope is Alive and everything else you're doing there. Yeah, too. I just rolled out a new website. I'm pumped about it, lancelang.com. So go check it out. And I'm pretty much at Lance Lang on okay. all social media stuff. Um, hopeisalive.net is where you can go and check out Hope is Alive. If you want to learn more about the homes, where they are, send somebody to the application to apply for a home, donate, any of that stuff's on hopeisalive.net. Also want to plug Finding Hope. If you're a mom or a dad or a spouse of somebody struggling, please go to findinghope.today. You'll find a list of all the meetings here in Oklahoma and beyond. And if you're not quite ready to get out of the house, you can go online as well on Finding Hope. And that's probably plenty for them yeah, to chew on. For no today. doubt. For everyone listening, I'll post <laughs> as many of those links as I can remember member in the description down below um but yeah i mean june 18th obviously would be the most most recent one that you, that's yeah and that's nightofhopeokc.com yeah. and you can find all that at, at our website and we are posting about it like crazy right awesome. now and that's going to be a lot of fun yeah well mate thanks for coming down i was um, honored to be on really appreciate you coming on sharing your story love what you do wish you all the best for the future and, and let's, let's get some more houses right let's, let's get do some, that and let's, let's go play some, some golf lives. i would love to play golf one day <laughs> definitely appreciate it thanks so much man for everyone listening we'll catch you next episode cheers this podcast is presented by the oklahoma hall of fame telling oklahoma story through its people since 1927 for more information on the hall of fame go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also, huge shout out to RCB Bank for jumping on board to be a sponsor. RCB Bank's loan promotion is here for a limited time. Head into any of their 40 Oklahoma locations to get as low as 1.79 APR on your next car, boat, camper, or ATV. Apply online at rcbbank.com. RCB Bank, that's my bank. Rate and finance with approved credit. Restrictions apply. Member FDIC. Huge shout out to my sponsors. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.